Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Amnesty International has um, been working on a study around refugees and they've been working on a study around uh, asylum seekers and what effect this is going to have globally on refugees and asylum seekers. And they've been working on that, but they've they've specifically been working on something else as well here um, to assist those those communities. I do want to highlight that they're not the first port of call, okay? We are doing our best to also get um, other institutions who are responsible for refugees to come and explain to us what their, you know, what what their work is going to be doing at this time. Uh, we're still chasing. We're not getting responses and so on. Um, we're also chasing human rights lawyers as well to try and see what um, what people can do because the truth of the matter is that people are stranded, whether you and I like it or not, um, whether you have the heart for it or not. It doesn't matter. So that's that's what we're trying to address, and we're trying to see if we not can if we can't at this point try and and get assistance as much as possible. Okay, so Amnesty International is on the line with us. Um, Menke Statler is a media officer at Amnesty International South Africa, and she joins us. and Thank you so much, uh, Menke, for joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So as as I said earlier in my preamble, um, it's not. It's not necessarily your core business to be handling the refugees and asylum seekers, particularly in South Africa at a time like this. Just define us for us quickly where you come in as, as Amnesty International. Yes, so Amnesty International is a research um, campaigning and advocacy organization. So what we do is we do research on the ground and we uh, campaign around that. And with advocacy, we mean that we build relationships with people, usually in government, because obviously those are the people that are the, the decision makers. And um, and that's what we do. You are right to say that we are not a frontline organization. So we are not the ones that are you know providing shelter mm. or food to people in need, and this can be anyone, you know, from refugees and asylum seekers through to people who are homeless. But what we do do is we do work closely and we support organizations like, um, you know, the Consortium for Refugees and Migrants in South Africa, the Scalabrini Center uh, in Cape Town, and and um, and also organizations like Lawyers for Human Rights that take on the litigation side. Those organizations, and of course, uh, Doctors Without Borders, those organizations are frontline organizations. But what we do do is we collect testimonies, we collect information and research, and we use that to campaign publicly and towards government, and then also to do advocacy work to to talk to government, to make them understand why, and this is now the, the issue that you're talking about, the rights of refugees are still so important during a time like a pandemic. And also the other campaign that we've been working on is the, the right to water, the right to water and sanitation and why that is so important. Menke, I'm going to ask you if you don't mind that we take calls because I see a lot of no, people no. want to engage and I'm opening those lines 0891-104-207 and uh, let's take the calls because I think you have lots of questions that I cannot answer. But as, as we said, this really essentially is uh, an organization that assists with data, with information collecting all kinds of uh, information and your participation also will be quite helpful at this point. So do call in 891 or send us a WhatsApp note on 614 You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM.
I'm in conversation with Amnesty International. I'm talking to the media officer there, Menke Statler. I beg your pardon if I've said it incorrectly, Menke. But thank you so much for joining us and staying with us. So you have clarified your role as Amnesty International. What I'm going to ask you is you are still busy with a report on refugees and asylum seekers' rights. Um, No, we actually published it last year and we looked at the the asylum management system in South Africa. Okay. And and what was the outcome of that? I know things have changed quite dramatically since then. Yes, of course. Well, as far as we get, well, the outcome of the report was that we do have, unfortunately, have a broken asylum management system. What we mean by that is that um, asylum, applications for asylum are, are not being processed properly um, uh, by the Department of Home Affairs, which means that there's around 190,000 uh, applications or also applications being reviewed within the system. This means that people are left, you know, even more vulnerable than they are. And, uh, of course, we don't say that every single person that applies will necessarily be granted asylum, but we do feel that the system needs to, and people need the proper documentation to take up their proper space within South Africa. And also, you know, it, it, it gives them protection as well. Uh, we would imagine uh, uh, that, and, and maybe, as you say, you are getting in touch with your frontline workers. They might know more, but I would imagine that uh, due to home affairs probably working on a, on a, a you know, a skeleton staff, that, that there would have been no change. And that people that have not had documents or who have been sent from pillar to post to try and get documents are still in the same situation, leaving them extremely exposed, extremely vulnerable. I, I also want us to stress, Menke, why, why, that, why that's important. Because the narrative people always uh, get is that when you speak on behalf of asylum seekers and refugees, you're uh, encouraging uh, lawlessness and people who are literally just criminals coming into the country. The point here is what you're making is if we were processing these properly, you are able to then weed out even those who are here, uh, you know, wrongfully and, and do what you need to do, either arrest them or send them back or whatever the case may be. But you are able to do what you need to do with people who shouldn't be here as well. Exactly. So if we were, you know, properly documenting people, then we wouldn't have this issue. Obviously, there are criminal elements, but there are criminal elements that are citizens of South Africa as well, you know. So um, it's about giving people proper documentation. It's about knowing who they are, where they've come from, what they've come here important to understand that there are a lot of people that have come here because it's it's not that they wanted to leave their countries, they were forced to, and who are not criminals. And and, and to just treat everybody the same is is really wrong. And interestingly, um, refugee rights are actually protected by international human rights laws as well. So irrespective of whether someone has the so-called correct paperwork or not, they are still human beings who have rights, who have the right to life, and have the right... uh, You mentioned earlier that someone wasn't allowed... To, to access to food because mm. she's a Zimbabwean. Mm. That is a direct violation of her right to life, her right yep. to food security. And, um, and, and it's very important that people should understand that if you were found yourself in another country in a similar position, you would want that country to, to you know, respect, and the people of that country to respect and look after and, and you know, respect your rights as well. 
Okay, so you've been also engaging in a really interesting uh, campaign here in South Africa because this is not an issue that's brought about by COVID-19, by the way. This is an issue we've had for a long time. Mm. And um, there are all sorts of reasons why it happens. Uh, the the, the, the low-hanging fruit that you all often hear is, oh, yes, there was a drought. But we also know that there are other issues which are not drug uh, drought-related, which have led us to a point where South Africans struggle with drinking, accessible, safe water. Completely. And the COVID-19 pandemic has really brought this into stark light. And we decided as, a, as an organization, and by the way, I should also add we're a movement. Anyone can join us. Anyone can have a look at our website and become part of this movement as well. But we decided that we do acknowledge that it is obviously a difficult time for everyone, and it is for the government as well. But as you said, this is not an issue that has suddenly just appeared during the pandemic. It's been a problem for many, many years. There are communities that have now received water during the pandemic, but they've been waiting for water for 15 years. And and we, we've developed a campaign. It's called Turn on the Tap. And what we're asking from the government is to to look long term as well, mm-hmm. to, to look at what is going to happen post-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Because you mentioned earlier as well, corruption, mismanagement of funds, what is happening to water infrastructure? How are these 2,000 communities that the government says that they are delivering water to, you know, to keep them safe from the virus? What is going to happen after this? Are these people going to be able to access safe, reliable drinking water, water they can use in their everyday lives, but through infrastructure? Or if there are tanks, are these tanks being filled up? And that's what we, what we are calling for. Menge, spot on, because my question is very simple, okay? Um, we're busy now, and, and the minister has herself said, you no, know, they have bought out every single Jojo tank there is in this country, and they are making sure that people have access to water. For me, that's a short-term plan. That's for me. Exactly. Because we also know that part of the infrastructure problem is because of local municipality corruption and mismanagement and so on. So... Yeah. Would not would it not have been better for us to start taking that money and turn, as you said, turn on the taps? There are communities with taps, but with water that is either too too dirty to consume or do anything about. There is rot and all kinds of things happening on those taps and whatever because they've been off for that long. And all of this has got to do with mismanagement. If we are able to spend money on Jojo tanks, would we not have been able to spend money on fixing some of the infrastructure and in a way do it, yes, in a safe way, but kind of get the country going again? Exactly, exactly. And that is what we're calling for. And interestingly, we want to say that TAP has a double meaning as well. It's transparent, accountable, and progressive. And what you're talking about now is also progressive. Mm-hmm. And 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 even if there are tanks, and even if they say, okay, this is what we're going to do, are these tanks maintained? Are they being filled up? They have a fantastic uh, um, uh, plan, a, a water and sanitation master plan that is uh, projected <laughs> towards 2050. But we are, we feel that... Um, 
even more concrete plans need to be put in place. We need them to tell us very transparently and accountability through accountability as well. Where is that money going? And is is even with the economy that's going to be weakened probably and will be and it has already been weakened by the by the COVID nineteen pandemic, how are how are we to how are they going to think innovatively? How are they going to think? But also, Menke, you shorter, remember that you know, not not ten years from now, but like next year, uh, right now. And like you say, are they going? They're delivering tanks, but what are the plans to fix those existing taps, to fix the existing pipes? But but you do and remember, Menke, that 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 master plan was also rejected by by lots in Parliament. Yeah, exactly. And and we've been looking at it as ourselves and we've just been wondering, but this seems like, you know, a wish list. And and yeah, like you say, it can't only be tanks. It needs to be proper water infrastructure. We're collecting testimonies. People are very welcome to contact us with their testimonies around the experience of water in their communities as well. Because even still, people are saying, you know, they open the tap, like you say, either dirty water comes out or nothing comes out. And even some of the tanks arrive, but they don't have the proper bases to stand on and then you know, serve the community properly. And these are the questions we're asking. But it's not just us. We want everyone to ask the government this. We want people to, to come on our website and to take action and sign the petition and say, but enough is enough, up to here and no further, the tap needs to be turned on. Manke Stetler, thank you so much. She's a media officer at Amnesty International South Africa. You're more than welcome to their, go to their site and join the campaign, as she said. It's a movement, so everybody can join in and do your bit. One let let's go to Utzile Saku for the latest in headlines.